and welcome to Cheers to Beers, the podcast that lasts as long as the pint. I am your host, Jess, and guys, today's episode is awesome. In case you're unfamiliar with the podcast, this is a conversation with friends and industry people about beer. The guest chooses the beer, we drink it, and we discuss it. I am joined by my friend Cole, who I consider to be my beer and bar mentor. He's taught me a lot about beer, spirits, and basically how to bartend. So to have him as a guest is a real treat. And uh, he went above and beyond with a beer selection. We are drinking the 60th anniversary St. Bernardist App 12, aged for 10 years. It's a quad Belgian ale and is widely revered across all beer communities, being one of the best. Uh, Cole schools me a lot in this episode. I wasn't a big Belgian drinker before, but now that I have my eyes open to one of the best ones, my life is forever changed. So thank you, Cole. In this episode, we discuss Belgian Trappist history, beer science, and Tinder dates. So grab a beer, join us. Let's drink. Let's talk about beer. Cheers. So should I just start, or do you, are you going to you introduce me separately? I, yeah, I do. All I don't that get separate. to comment on my own introduction. No, but you can guess how. So I, I can say, "Wow, you know, Jess, you? that's really nice." Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for just really telling everyone all of my fault, my faults, all my flaws, <laughs> just really laying it out there and ruining your own program for the sake of entertainment. You know, yeah, you, I took a bus I out here. I know. And then you're just immediately putting me down, and then you don't give me the opportunity <laughs> to hear what you said. That's just grand. <laughs> Well, your cat just ignores me. What are we drinking? Well, so we're drinking the 60th anniversary special edition of St. Bernardus App 12. And like fine spirits, the classy stuff usually comes in a container beyond the normal container. Now, this was bottled in 2006. So this 60-year anniversary beer has also been aging for 10 years. All right. But being a Belgian, it can definitely handle some aging. One of their... Uh, one of the big traits with them is... Uh, residual sugar and active yeast in the bottling process so they actively change as they age okay so a lot of these beers they really recommend you cellar them for a period of time um, it's hard to find these beers on draft they don't export a lot of kegs it's generally all bottling um should we open it yeah so this is 10 years or old i have to ask what made you choose this well i was asking a friend of, uh, i've actually asked a few people about what i was going to do and i was thinking of doing there was Quite a few things going on. I really originally wanted to bring a Trappist ale in or a well-aged sour. But St. Bernardus at 12 is in a lot of ways one of those like benchmarks. I mean, it's a really good beer. It's not the oldest brewery, but it's one that you can get in a lot of places in the country. It's been around for quite a long time, and it's really, really good. All right. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> I mean, and I saw that I, my bottle shop, Bottleworks, had the 60th anniversary, which I'd had before, and is really, really good. And it's a quad. I figure if we're splitting 1750, just one, you know, we need to, to work on it. I mean, should I describe the bottle? Should uh, I describe yeah. what I'm doing? Yeah. Or just like, why is it corked? Well, that's a part of the aging process. It's the same as champagne, where it's uh, carbonation comes, well, with champagne, they have a secondary fermentation that happens in the bottle, so the carbonation level can build up. Sort of the same with this. Um, cap beers, you're going to lose oxygen. They didn't have capping, you know, when they started making, you know, Abbey beers right. in the 1500s <laughs> and earlier. And uh, it makes you able to age longer. As long as you keep, you know, you have a good solid cork, you'll be able to keep cellaring it. Well, with a cap beer, 
you maybe get three years, sometimes five. Um, barley wines and stuff, you can get longer, but there will be oxidization. And with a, a really nice cork like this and a cage, um, you can generally keep a lot of that from happening. And with active yeast and residual sugars, you're still going to be having CO2 produced. So it's kind of cool because it usually means you're not going to have a flat beer. Yeah. And Yay. see, we don't have a flat beer. Oh, yeah. See, and that's awesome. So it's showing a really good color, an amazing head for can a 10-year-old beer. This is so exciting. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. What would you describe this color as? Well, you can see, especially because it foamed up like it did, uh -huh. you can see a lot of like floaties in there yeah. and residuals because it is unfiltered. It's been sitting in there living and dying for 10 years. That's so cool. And so that's kind of a little microcosm. I will say, funny side note about beers like this with a lot of yeast residuals is they're really good for your digestion. <laughs> okay. You know, people talk probiotic, and this is probiotic. <laughs> but you see we have a really good, there's a really good head on yeah. it. Yeah. You can see it's got some really good retention, some beautiful color. It smells really good, too. This one you'll probably get more. It's going to be a little bit sweeter. You're not going to really taste the alcohol. It's an 11% beer, and you're not going to taste it. Okay. You'll probably get some dried fruit. Maybe uh -huh. some apricot. The malt will come through really nicely. But how would you describe the smell? I don't know, like a Belgian beer. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's yeasty. It's got a little spice yeah. to it. Um, it's not going to be... I mean, that's that's one thing, too, is it has been sitting. A lot of the... Uh, you know, if you open this beer fresh a decade ago, you would get a lot more nose. You get a lot less of these okay. little floaty bits. Um, really what's going to happen is this is going to be a really mellow, full-flavored beer. Instead of having a few really specific flavor points, it's going to have really one more broad flavor profile. Okay, cool. I'm going to try it. Okay, let's right. cheers. cheers. Oh, yeah. Definitely some dried fruit and a little bit of berry in it. It's so rich. sweetness at the end. Oh, my God, it's so it's good. It's still, you can feel the carbonation. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why these beers are kind of unlike anything else <laughs> because they are just still totally alive in the bottle. Yeah, this is amazing. So have you had a St. Bernardus before? I don't think so. so. They have their single, their double, their triple. They have a wit and they have their, their single is their blonde, I believe. Okay. Some things about this beer perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Like, I've got all sorts of these little yeah, factoids. Like if you have history on it or just about well, the it's, style uh, in general. So it's made in the style of a Trappist beer. What's Trappist? So Trappist is a particular kind of monastery that has a little bit stricter adherence to a certain set of rules that were made in, I think, like 580 or 380 or something. Okay. And the first one to have it was a monastery called La Trappe. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of them all over the world, but in terms of brewing, there's only, I think, 11. I know there's six Belgians, <clears throat> which this is not one of them. This is not a Trappist beer. Um... And I know there's now one in the U.S., St. Joseph's, which opened a couple years ago, a couple few years ago. Do you know where that is? Um, it's in the East Coast, and I can't remember the state. Okay. It's probably something crappy like New Jersey. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, it might, no, it can't be New Jersey. So Trappist has become, well, it's so, uh, like, dogmatically, it means a very specific set of rules for monks and nuns to live their lives. Um, in terms of the brewing world, it has become a trademark phrase that only certain breweries can have, and those breweries have to be brewed within a monastery where the monks are following the rules. It cannot be for profit or owned by any outside source. Um, all of it has to be produced on site, and all of it has to go towards either um, maintaining the monastery or to charity. That's part of the whole Trappist thing is okay. they have to be self-sufficient. That's legit. And so there's one, this is a funny little side note, there's a, 
think it's in Wisconsin there's a Trappist monastery where they call them the laser monks <laughs> and they make all their like money to support themselves by hawking uh, toner for printers. Yeah, like refilling them, selling them. Oh like, God. that's what they do. And that's Whoa. how they're self-sufficient. <laughs> like, it doesn't say how you have to be self-sufficient. Right. And that's what they've done. And um, so a lot of them, well, not a lot of them, but these ones that are, uh, I think it's six Belgian, two in the Netherlands. I'm reading my notes now. There's one in Italy, <laughs> I believe one or two in Austria, and one now in the United States um, that brew actual Trappist beer. Um, St. Bernardus is kind of an interesting one. St. Bernard was the guy, I believe, who wrote the original Trappist rules. And it ended up in the 1100s being a real big, uh, like he spread the gospel of this sort of monastic life and turned it from just a few into um, all over the, I mean, all over the Western world. I mean, they've had them as, they have them in Ireland and Scotland. They have them down in Spain and Italy in North Africa. They obviously now have some in the United States. But um, wow. In France during the French Revolution, they got uh, everybody was really anti-church. Catsburg Abbey, that was just on the other side of the border from Watu, Belgium, which is where this beer is made, and all the monks fled and set up this new monastery in Belgium. And uh, originally they were just sell, sold cheese to maintain their self-sufficiency, but they ended up. Uh, in the, well, in 1945, this is, again, the 60th anniversary, and it's 10 years old, um, they switched over to beer, and they got an actual Trappist yeast strain, and the head brewer from a Trappist monastery to come and set up their brewing program. And so there's a really, I, I've never had this beer before. It's, let's see if I screw up the pronunciation. <laughs> it's West Vletterin, which is a very, very hard-to-get beer. They're super local. I think there's two cafes in that town and the monastery where you can actually buy it. And this is the closest to it, as people say. Um, It's the same yeast strain, and its original recipe was written by the head brewer from, again, 1945. And so this is basically a really, really good clone of an official Trappist beer. But because it's not a Trappist, it has some different rules. Uh Uh-huh. And it can be sold in a wider scale. And I believe now it's actually owned by a larger company that actually handles the brewing. But it's, uh, it's kind of neat because I've, there's some out there that they just don't distribute. You know, you yeah. have to live in the town. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I, I've never had something that's so historically important. <laughs> well, I mean, if you had like, uh, you've had Rochefort. Yeah. I mean, we have it at, at uh, Burgundian. Um, that's... Brewery, that monastery and brewery started in the 1500s. So that's way older than this. Um, same with Vesmal. Theirs is, I, that was one I was going to bring. Their triple is kind of like the standard for a Belgian triple. Um, Orval is another right. classic one. I think Orval is from the 1700s or early 1800s. And um, so this one is kind of, it's neat because it is really in the, historically a newer brewery, but it was sort of made in as an homage to all these, you know, old monks, like, St. Bernard. Is this like how beer was for everyone back there? Like when you think of ale and like medieval times, is this like what it was like or is this way better? <laughs> um, this is probably closer than a lot of things. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, kind of depends on who you were when you fell in the social strata. Right, of course. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, the, the monks were the movers and shakers of, you know, the, the Middle Ages and that they were some of the only places where all this knowledge was retained and that they stayed there. So do you think the monks like 
partied hard? Mm, well, I mean, <laughs> let's see, you're celibate. Most of your life has lived in a cloister. You sing songs. I think that probably from 3 a.m. till 9 p.m. you're doing different prayers and songs and or hymns, I guess I should say. And you're just farming and making cheese and butter and beer. So, yeah, I'd imagine they got pretty fucked up. <laughs> there we go. I mean, they have a... Now, generally, though, there is a lighter beer, their table beer, that they drink with meals. Mm. Um, we, let's see, have you had the... Which is the Chimay Doré, I believe it's called. I don't think so. It's like their lightest beer. It's like 4.5%, but mm -hmm. it's also conversely one of their most expensive beers because it's so rare that the monks have any leftover that they never exported or sell it. Wow. And so when you can actually get some, it's usually only in kegs. It's rare, and I've only ever seen it in kegs, and I've only ever seen one keg mm -hmm. ever. And it's really, really good, but it's just like a 4.5% blonde. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like this. I should say, yeah, this is a quad as opposed yes. to a triple. Um there's a lot of rumors about what a quad and a triple and a double are, and I don't so, think any of them are true. So the the thing I've heard that seems to ring the truest, or the most true, grammar, grammar, is uh, when you have your malt, like all your grain, and you do your, your initial steps, your boil and all that, you still have it left over. But there's a, a much reduced amount of sugar in it, because the yeast has gotten to it and eaten a lot. So your first batch would be like your triple. Then your second batch, which you do make with the same grain, would have less sugar, would therefore be lower alcohol, lighter colored, and that would be your double. Then your last batch, which is going to have even less sugar, is going to be the lowest ABV, the lightest color, and that would be your single. And that was the, I can't remember what the term is, there's a French term for, for it, and you know, you could look it up and edit it in, do a really good colon impersonation to make it sound like okay. I knew oh, what well. I was talking about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's like a party something, but it's basically you're reusing the same mash mm -hmm. and just trying to get the maximum amount of sugar out of it. Got and it. you know, you think they didn't know what yeast was, so you have this one big old pile of grain that ends up making booze. Oh yeah, you want to use it again because if you just use fresh, it might not work as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Do you like it? Because I mean, I'm already doing work on it. Funny little side note about Saint Bernardus. Its label is a monk drinking from the chalice that you can get with this beer. Seswatu, the name of the Belgian town on it. In every couple hundredth bottle, the monk is winking. Really? Wait, is he winking right here? No, this is oh. him, both eyes open. Oh, I can't tell. <laughs> but every like 200th or 300th bottle or something, uh -huh. he's actually winking. So do you... Well, it's a playful monk. He's having all fun. Right, all right. He's boozing Good it up. Like you said, they party, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just living in a sort of semi-medieval castle filled with a bunch of dudes, you're going to have to get loaded once yeah, in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So, oh, you have notes too. Oh, of course. Um, okay, I guess so, on like a personal note, now that we're, <laughs> we're already like drinking, we've discussed the beer. Now, you personally as a beer drinker, what turned you on to beer? Like what made you want to start drinking good beer? Like and what age and why? Okay, so you're just going to start with the biggest, most complicated, hardest yeah, question. Yeah, that's not that hard. <laughs> well, I mean, we could have at least waited until the bottle would be more empty. <laughs> I lost more questions. It's fine. Um, I don't know. I was lucky. I mean, I turned 21 in, what, 2003 when the, the whole microbrew thing was really taking off and hitting its stride. And kind of in the post, I mean, I don't want to put anyone down, but here in Seattle we have a few microbreweries that definitely got really big in the 90s and then ended up changing their labeling and their recipes and are now something that 
goes over really well in other parts of the country and that you can't find on draft here. I don't want to say anything, but, you know, certain giant square at the bottom, pointy at the top breweries, <laughs> you know, that maybe you can find buildings like them in Egypt uh, <laughs> that used to be good and now they sell apricot soda and call it beer. Or, But, you know, so I was kind of in that second wave where uh, a lot of smaller breweries are really making things happen, um, where a lot of people were experimenting. And so it was kind of not a choice. Like, I just didn't want to drink. Well, I did. I started out drinking like High Life. I still drink High Life. Like crappy beer like that, you know, a PBR can. But then you start getting, I started trying other stuff. And that led me to try other stuff that was better, which led me to other beers that were better. And At so this just, point, were you living in Seattle? Oh, yeah. Well, I've been in Seattle since I was 18. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, the Big Time Brewery was a big one for me. Yeah. It's uh, the oldest brew pub, in, or active functioning brew pub in Seattle. Really? Well, they are the, they beat uh, the opening of the, what is it, the Red Hook Brewery by maybe six months. Or not the actual brewery, but the actual pub. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was 88 when they opened, and I lived about five blocks away. And they make really good beers. They do a lot of really good IPAs. They have really good barley wine. And they kind of open the doors. And then, you know, that's the thing with beer is you don't, there's no reason to get into it. It's just if you drink it and you pay attention, there's always something a little further. Right. Like this. Like I never would have gone into a store and felt even the most, like remotely comfortable going in and buying a 750 bottle of some weirdo's name with App 12. I mean, what does App 12 mean <laughs> on the bottle? Um, unless I had already drank all these other things that were good and they just kept getting better. Yeah. Like every time someone would show me a bottle and say, this is really good and it would be better than the last thing I had. And now it's just, there's, it's all so good that I can't really stop. <laughs> it's like the best thing people ever did. And it just, yeah, it was kind of like right time, right place. Yeah. I definitely uh, had some friends who worked at Browers when it first opened. Uh -huh. When did Browers open? In 2005, I believe. Okay. And uh, I had some friends who worked there really early on. And for those who don't know, it's a very good Belgian cafe with 65 beers on tap that does a whole lot of really cool beer events. And going in there and ordering anything is a great way to learn a lot about beer and to have something really good. And then, uh, yeah, and it just kind of took off. I mean, being able to go and... It, Wanting, I, I definitely got into doing the brewery tours and tasting things and listening to people when they talked. And that's a big one that I think a lot of people miss now. <laughs> is they'll tell you everything you need to know. You just have to actually listen. Yeah. And yeah, and it's tough. And then you get to stuff like this and it's magic. Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely. nothing like it in the world. Totally. I guess also on that topic, I tell me the story about the first time you ever had a beer. The first time I ever had a beer? Well, there's a picture of me having a beer in my dad's lap in my uncle's backyard. Um, beyond that, I mean, I don't know. How old were you? <laughs> you said like your father's two or lap. Three. <laughs> but you weren't you weren't drinking like a whole beer. Oh, you mean like drinking a beer yeah, for like, pleasure? Or just like like trying one, sneaking yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really wasn't really a big teenage drinker. My dad was a home brewer and every once in a while I'd sneak one of his bottles. Until he made this molasses beer that was like fifteen percent alcohol and tasted just like almost raw sugar. Oh. <laughs> and that kind of put me off stealing his homebrew for a while. I mean, like most teenage reprobates, I probably started with, I mean, I remember drinking 40s of Rainier Ice, which is the green oh bottled malt liquor. Yeah. And uh, definitely Olympias. Uh -huh. I grew up in Olympia and Oli Stubbies were always around for everything. <laughs> there were restaurants that you could get an Oli Stubby in the middle of your appetizer plate. 
Is that like a novelty now to have one of those? Oh, they don't have them anymore. They don't make them. I know a guy who bought probably 15 cases of them and they announced they were going to shut them off. Oh, really? Well, and the joke was, though, you get a case of Stubbies, you're short two beers. <laughs> I mean, it's 24 11-ounce beers. You're short two full beers yeah. at the end of it. But, yeah, so probably something like that. Uh-huh. I know my dad was a big Schmidt drinker, but those beers were terrible. <laughs> I do remember him telling me something. It was an important lesson that I've carried with me. And so I was probably six or seven in the grocery store with him. And Schmidt, I, I think it was Schmidt Ice was on sale next to the regular Schmidt, and they were the same price. And he said, okay, so look at this. Here's my Schmidt, and you see it's like 4.5% alcohol. And then you see the ice, and it's 6% alcohol. But they're the same price. So I have to get the ice. <laughs> you have to. You have to. I mean, it's just efficiency. <laughs> like, there's a reason for drinking, and that's what it is. All right. <laughs> and then, you know, now he drinks almost exclusively Belgians, and I'm... Kind of lean that way myself. Though I am still a sucker for a good Northwest Pale Ale. Um, I like the buzz I'm getting off of this. It feels just very warm and fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, and you can't even hardly taste it either. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's 11%. Yeah. I mean, it's almost wine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but wine tastes way better than wine. <laughs> um, okay, so next segment... Next, I, oh, it's segments now? That's, that's the lingo you got to use in the podcast world. Oh, I, yeah, I guess I haven't listened to enough. Most of the ones I listen to are just rambling. Rambling? Weirdos, you know. Dan Harmon rambling. Oh, yeah. I did listen to the full Pistol Shrips one recently. Um, okay, so a segment called Drenchies, um, which is like coming home after a night of drinking and you open up your fridge and your go-to snack that you got to have when you come home after, you know being drunk <laughs> oh man amateur question i gotta be honest with you amateur question i don't come home after drinking and want to eat you don't do that what are you drinking like rum and cokes or something no but i've just like like this right here is the most perfect food that you've <laughs> ever had in your life <laughs> so you don't get drunchies like i get a little bit of buzz and i'm like oh i'm kind of hungry i want to like eat a shit ton of pizza right now <laughs> you don't even eat real pizza yeah but it's still pizza to me <laughs> it's not pizza if it's not cheese it's it's a Type of cheese. So I don't know if this has gone over in any of your earlier podcasts, <laughs> no. your dietary, your chosen dietary yeah. restrictions. Are you going to fight me about this? I, well, you know what? This, I'll tell you right now. As I said before, this is the one thing with these beers is they're living. True. Actually, I got into an argument about this with someone one time in college being like, well, yeast is alive, so aren't you Was that you saying something? that or them saying no, that's me imitating someone. Ah, okay. So that wasn't your point. That. that was theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is alive. Okay. It is an, an, an organism. It's just... Magical. It's more important <laughs> dead than alive. Okay, but it's not an like, animal. It's like an organism. I didn't say that. <laughs> she said that. I could not give you the d difference between the two. But she did say she went to college. <laughs> Which I didn't do. While she was in college, I was busy drinking beer. It's it's just an amateur debate. Yeah, right. It's just one of those things that it's just you're just trying to get someone riled up about it for no reason. No, and it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. No, so beer munchies. All right. Beer munchies. I mean, I am always a big fan of a nice crusty loaf of bread. Just straight up bread? Oh, no. You, then you go and you get your cheese, like a nice soft okay, cheese. Okay, so you do a... Or um, I'm also... I like all sorts of different spreads. 
Okay. Like, I mean, I'm talking for peanut butter to cheese mm-hmm. spreads to mm-hmm. hummus, like anything. Oh, yeah. Really, I could live off bread and that stuff for yeah. just about the rest of my life. Um, I did come home a little tipsy last night and made myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I'd been talking about them for days. It was stuck in my head. PB and J. Oh yeah, you I like wish a I had, mad craving for I it. I wish I had chocolate milk too. PB. I don't even drink oh, milk man. because, and not for any restriction. It just makes me feel gross, gross at night. Um, and it makes me all phlegmy if I drink it late. Yeah, it's fucking gross. That's why. <laughs> well, because it comes from a gland. Yeah, like it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's a that's a side effect of a biological process. It's basically the last third of biology class. No, I get it. Uh, <laughs> but I was craving a PB and J. Yeah, beer munchies though. It's something that I'd yeah. I think that um, I can see that if I was drinking liquor, uh-huh. you know, just wanting something. Yeah. When I was younger, I definitely had a history of IHOPs and Denny's, uh-huh. but they don't really exist very much anymore. So yeah. that's kind of cut it out. And I'm not a big fan of late night Mexican food. Oh, really? That was like the college experience. Well, you're from California. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's different. We don't do that stuff up here. It's too spicy. It's too spicy? It's too spicy for the Northwest. Too spicy. <laughs> I mean, give me something with butter on it every day. <laughs> I feel like for me, when I'm drinking and want to munch on something, it's more just, it's like, I don't even care what it is. It's just like, I like the sensation of eating something. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like leaves or dirt. Yeah. Newspaper or whatever. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't eat garbage. (laughs) I was talking about things that are at least relatively clean. (laughs) I mean, books, glass sometimes, but that's a rough morning. I'll tell you what. You get the old glass munchies. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, beer munchies. Doesn't happen to me. Drink richer beer. Fuck, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what the well, solution is. You know, the funny thing is, is that I'm so better with drinking high alcohol beer than low alcohol beer. Like, high alcohol beer doesn't make me feel sick or gross. Oh, really? But drinking a bunch of, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink a whole crud of Rainier's, I'll just feel disgusting yeah. the next day. Yeah. And a lot of it is, I'm sure, just, you know, corn syrup and et cetera. Uh-huh. But thank you. Um, it's yeah. This stuff. Oh man, I can drink all day, and it's often just have quality. I mean, have you been to Belgium? Mm-mm. But you went to Netherlands. I've been to Netherlands and I've been to Germany. Two also pretty good beer countries. Yeah, I would like to go to Belgium, but I don't know. It's one of those ones. It's it's kind of like uh, people wanting to go to Bavaria. I just think I would. It would almost be wasted on me. Wasted on you. Oh, I'd be drunk within six hours but and isn't not that remember. The point? Well, I can do that here. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about speaking another language. It could be one of those things like if you're traveling in the area, you can like stop on by, but it doesn't have to be a destination. Stop on by! <laughs> yeah, you know how Europe is. It's so small. Yeah. <laughs> I have, you know, doing a bike tour in the summer would be great. Oh, bike tour, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, it's also flat. It's, uh. It's kind of dreamy. Yeah, it really would be. And just drink all this stuff like crazy. And just, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll happen one day. I'm not worried. About <laughs> You're not tripping. Well, it's one of those things. It's almost inevitable. I'll just end <laughs> yeah. up getting a, you know, saving enough and just flying over there and just having this whirlwind trip of. Why just, do you sound so down about doing something so great? I guess I know, I'll just fly on over. I guess I'll just do it. Just well, this is, great you know, it's, 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 you know, it's supposed to be personal in an interview like this. You know, you're not supposed to fake it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, next segment is called Tales from Behind the Bar. Oh, goodness. Is this because I'm a bartender? Yeah. Well, this is for anyone I try to interview that has customer service slash food service experience. But yes, particularly you because you bartend. Okay. Uh, this is, you can just tell like a particularly horrible story or a funny story just with like an experience you've had from behind the bar. 
Yeah, I don't know. A real good one. I've seen some some horrifying things. God, and I mean, puke stories are so trite, but there's been some amazing ones, too. Have you ever had someone puke over the bar? I've had someone puke on the top of the bar. Oh, God. And that's where you, like, I don't know, the automatic response is, of course, to, like, stop it. Yeah. But then you're touching someone's vomit. Yeah, that's... But then you also don't want it to fall over the bar. Oh, my God. So your initial, you know, initial reaction, reach for it. Then you stop. Then it starts falling over the edge, and you had to really go for it. <laughs> the big back and forth. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's been some, some of my good ones, though, are, like, silly ones. Like, there was a guy who would come, he still comes into the uh, Burgundian once in a while, where I've watched him write a book. Yeah. Like, it's getting published soon. Whoa. Another one of our regulars just had her book published. Um, those were neat. Like, going from the notes and them talking about it to having a hardcover in their hand. Wow. Like, here, this is it. You want to come to my signing? It's on this day. That is so cool. Um, conversely, I remember during the Penny Arcade Expo or the video game con that we have up here, people coming in, sitting at a table, and hanging out for a while, totally geeky. Not even geeky. Like, just, I don't want to say geeks. I like geeks. I'm going to say nerds. I'm going to make a specific distinction. Okay, what's your distinction? Uh, well, a geek, you know, historically, is someone who will eat anything. They're the total weirdos, the out there ones. Uh -huh. The ones that are like, hey, here I am. Uh, I might not even be that smart, but I'm going to be right. nutty and weird. A lot of them turn into Burning Man people, you know. <laughs> and uh, But then the nerds are the ones that are a little more self-important. They tend to have no stuff. and They tend to defend that stuff they know very okay. strongly. I used to be very pro-nerd. Service industry has turned me away from that completely. And these guys, after tipping very poorly, when we cleared their table, underneath the checkbook, you know, where they left their signed receipt, was a perfect pile of fingernails. <gasps> what? Yeah, they had trimmed at least one of them. I mean, it was a pretty big pile. At least one of them trimmed their fingernails at the table while talking to their friends. Their friends didn't mind, which is almost more shocking to me, <laughs> that while eating or post-eating... One of your, can you imagine that? You're sitting there and a friend of yours just brings out the clippers. Why do you even have your clippers on you, first of all? <laughs> and then don't oh. just whip them out and just think that's okay. And you're like, oh yeah, over dessert and, and cognacs or whatever. You're just like, yeah, snip, snip. And then brushing them. That's the that's the one that, that the sort of the foresight, the, the, the consciousness that goes into sweeping them all into a small pile. And then putting them underneath something. That is so awful. Like, that is so... I have knowledge of what I am doing. Yes. And either I don't think it's wrong or I don't care. I really think it's more like I didn't even think about it. Like, I don't understand that other people exist in this world as well. Wow. That was a pretty bad one. Um, That's really awful. Actually, the Burgundian, my favorite of the dates. Yeah, they're... Oh, man. We're Tinder hotspot. Have you seen anything, like, particularly funny in mm. terms of Tinder dates? Well, it's more like, well, it's more like, a, I mean, they're all the same. There's like four, <laughs> there's basically four variations of Tinder date. Which are? Well, first one is the hookup, mm -hmm. where they, you know, pound down a couple drinks or make it out in the bar. Yeah. My favorite is when that they get older, it gets more intense. Oh, yeah. Like the, you know, 40-something couple that meets on Tinder, they're going to be getting a third base at the bar. You know, <laughs> like, you I've might seen see some something. awkward making out. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm talking, it looks like. I, I can't, they can't see me right now, but I'm making cups with my hands and just mashing them together. Um, and then you get the, you know, the younger ones, they're a little more, a little more dignified. They don't, they give a shit still. It's really right, what it is. Right. Um, and then there's the, the horribly awkward, not going to work out 
where they'll have two drinks each and it'll stretch out over three hours and everybody in the restaurant knows it's not going to work <laughs> and they just sit there quietly sort of ignoring each other but not dicking around on their phones. Then there's the awkward going to work out where, you know, there's that they don't, they have two drinks over three hours but it's because they're actually talking. Right. And those are the ones where you have to say, hey, pay me and go. Just yes. go. Get in her car and drive away or whatever. <laughs> like, you guys are going to make it work. It's fine. Just stop being so weird about it. And then there's the pro ones. And those ones are the funny ones where it's the first drink takes an hour and a half and then the second drink takes 20 minutes. And then the third, fourth, and fifth drinks take about five minutes each. And then they're making it out front. Yeah. Or the the other, conversely to that one is the pro in the sense that that first drink takes a while. Second drink takes a lot less time. And then one of them goes to the bathroom and the other person says, here, I'm ready to pay the tab. And when they yeah. come back, glasses are clear, yeah. tabs have been paid, and they say goodbye and they shake hands. Yeah. And that's something for anyone out there who does Tinder. Know if you're going to shake hands or hug before you arrive because if you awkwardly fumble your way through it every single person in the restaurant is going to know exactly what's happening and i'm sorry i'm just saying tinder it could be okcupid or match.com i want to be equal here they're all totally awful and weird what's your beer munchie what are you thinking right now i don't know i kind of had a i just ate a shit ton of sweet potatoes so i'm like, kind of like really full right now i just got an image this. of you like sitting squatting on a bag like a burlap sack <laughs> Full of raw sweet potatoes and just, just munching, munching them. And for some reason your hair is all knotted and folded out like an orphan. Like you're an orphan in World War One Europe who found a bag of sweet potatoes. Do they even have sweet potatoes in Europe? Whatever. Maybe dusty and you're eating raw sweet potatoes out of a bag. That's exactly what it was. No, really. But did you cook them? I mean, yeah, I'm of course I did. cooked them. Right. It was like in a casserole? Were they chips? No, I just fucking sliced them up and roasted them. Nothing else. <laughs> I mean, salt, pepper, coconut oil. Coconut oil, hippies, Jesus. It's what? Why is that even a hippie? No, thing? I like coconut oil. It's a great, uh, I don't know, makeup remover. It is. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot more to me than meets the eye. Isn't there? I think for me, it's just that you don't ever really stop drinking except for work and sleep. From <laughs> I don't know, maybe beginning of October to the end of May. Uh huh. Beginning of May, because it's just dark early and cold That's and rainy true. and gray. Yeah. And so you just drink all the time. That's why yeah. our beer is really good up here. Is that the reason? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's why one reason we have better, like, you know, you talk like, you know, say, we'll just put someone down. Like, say Ballast Point, for instance, who, by the way, just got bought out. I know. For like a billion dollars. I know. But, you know, they do a lot of fresh beers, like IPA with fruits in them yeah, and yeah. crap like that. Sculpin. That shit don't fly up here. <laughs> no, the best beers up here are, if they're an IPA, they're going to have a lot more malt, mm -hmm. a lot more calories, a lot more alcohol. It, most of the stuff, though, that you really get that you can keep, you can age. Cascadian Dark Ale is a great example. You can't really age this one, but it's a great example of the Northwest take on an IPA. Is You take the best parts of a porter or a stout, which is the roasted malt and a high ABV, and then you mix it with an IPA. Okay. I feel like a lot of people classify this area as like Northwest style being just really hoppy. Well, it's hoppy because Washington provides most of the country's hops. Right. So it's cheap. Okay. And so you can do it a lot. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, our pale ales are hoppier. But a lot of that, you know, people say that and they're used to drinking shit beer. We just drink good yeah, beer. True. You know, kind of the best beer. Some of the best beer in the world is up here. What, what's like your favorite brewery up here? Well, I mean, the big time's up there. Yeah. For sure. And it's one that, you know, they never really distribute more than, they maybe have 20 accounts in the wow. state. I mean, not shit. many. 
and they make really good IPAs. They do a lot of cool stuff. It's one of those ones where it's kind of the sleeper, if you know it, then you know it brewery, because most of the greats in the Seattle area have brewed there at one time or another. Um, and the people that haven't brewed there drink there. Um, I do like Rubens up here is yeah. taken off like crazy. Um, they're guys who know what they're doing, and they have a good thing going. They just allow kids in their brewery, which I hate. And then uh, mm. conversely... Um, dogs, but no kids. No, dogs, great. Absolutely. <laughs> kids, no thank you. And leave your cats at home, too. Man, that's one thing I've seen a few times at breweries. People Wait, have, what? Oh, it's a new thing. People, Cats on harnesses, cats no. in baby strollers, cats in creepy... No, cats want to stay at home. They don't want to do that. And, yeah, cats want to go out on their own. Yeah. It's like, cats are like teenagers in that situation. They don't want to go with their parents. Yeah, no. They want to go to a brewery. They want to go by themselves. Yeah, Absolutely. But uh, conversely, you have Holy Mountain, who's one of those, another, they're a little bit younger than Rubens. God, I really hope that's right. And, uh... They, wait, they just had their anniversary. I went to it. Yeah. How, but what was their, it wasn't just their one-year anniversary? It was their one-year anniversary. Yeah. And they, uh, they are doing some crazy stuff, and they definitely don't allow kids. And that's a really they cool brewery. They don't allow dogs either. Well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> take what you can get. And, uh, no, they're doing some good barrel no, stuff. They're, they're doing some good, like, uh, not, like... Super sours, but like saisons and stuff. Yeah, a lot. And their best thing is they do nitro beers like nobody else. They have a whole, they have two nitro taps in a tiny little place, always occupied by something good, always something real creative. And the times I've served those dudes, I've served them so many Olympia and Rainier tall boys. It's so funny. (laughs) When they come out to drink and all they want to drink is shitty beer. And then you go to their brewery and it's all just awesome beer. Yeah. That's hilarious. Like you ingest thousands of calories of beer and then it makes you hungry? Don't remind me how many calories. <laughs> this is actually, you, know, you want to know a little rule of thumb? What? Higher the alcohol, lower the calories. Really? Well, think about it. Okay. How do you make alcohol? You convert sugar into carbon dioxide and alcohol. Okay. What are calories? Sugar. Okay. So the more alcohol, the less sugar, the less calories. An IPA that's, you know, really super hoppy. In order to make it balanced, it has to have a bunch of residual yeah. sugars. They add a ton of malt. Yeah. So it might be 6.8% alcohol, which is pretty high, 7% alcohol, but it's going to have way more calories than, say, a stout. Because stout doesn't have the hops. They don't have to add the malt to balance the flavor. You get something like this that's super high alcohol, it's not going to be as caloric as, say, like uh, Miller High Life, which is at 5% alcohol is really syrupy. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, the more you know. The more you know. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like, Guinness is way less calories than most beers. Hmm. So it looks like I need to switch to Belgians. Yeah, well, it's it's just science. And you know the other <laughs> just thing? science. Well, no, the other thing, too, and a lot of people don't realize, we're still recording, right? Because yes. this might be something to edit in. Yes, yes. Is unfiltered beers give you way less of a hangover. Why any, is that? Well, any chemistry student will tell you is that a, a, like a chemical process is essentially an equation, and it has to balance. Yeah. So if you take, like, you know, sugar, you know, your normal glucose, your little beauty little hex carbon chain, and you turn it into something else, all the things that were in that chain plus the things you added are going to be left over at the end. They're just going to be in a different form. Right. And so yeast metabolizing sugar and turning it into alcohol is basically one half of the equation. And then your body metabolizing the alcohol is the other half of the equation. When you filter beer out, you're taking out a bunch of those pieces. Right, yeah. And so when you filter it, like with gelatin or with, uh, what is the crazy fish bladder stuff? I can't yeah, remember what it's called. Uh, it's, what is it called? Icing glass. 
Isinglass, yes. <laughs> you Isinglass. Got us. Yes, that's 100% right. I was thinking something crystal, but that's not right. Um, <laughs> but when you filter it out like with something like that, you end up taking out a lot of the proteins and a lot of the vitamin B mm-hmm. that makes up the bodies of the yeast. You know, the physical bodies of the living animal okay, that is yeast. <laughs> and so if you take those out, your body has to supply them in order to metabolize the okay, alcohol. got it. If you leave them in, you're ingesting the ones that you're going to need to metabolize it. So drinking homebrew and unfiltered beers tend to not give you nearly as bad of a hangover as drinking something like 15 Bud Lights in a night. Yeah. Like if you drink the same amount of alcohol, just straight alcohol, in something like this as you would in drinking all those shitty filtered beers... You're not going to be nearly as hungover. And they're way less calories. This is the new thing. This is the new diet. It's not even the new diet. This is the really old school diet that got people through, (laughs) you know, shitty poison water. Yeah, true. Hey, life generates life, man. And, (laughs) you know, that's what this stuff does is yeast wants things to be alive, so it wants you to be alive. Oh, that's sweet. Well, it's true. I mean, sugar is life. So it wants to fertilize. It wants yeah. to help. It wants to kill bacteriums. Oh, thanks, yeast. And then every once in a while, you get a really f- friendly bacteria that turns your beer all sour. Aha, uh-huh, your fave. No, oh, one of them. <laughs> You'll get there. I'm starting to like them. It's just when you fried your palate with, you know, IPAs. I have. And you've burned your brain out by drinking super strong Belgians. <laughs> you know, sours are like the next step. Um, okay, so I guess... Uh, Thanks for being on my podcast. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard for it not to be fun when we have 750 milliliters or one pint, 9.4 fluid ounces of an 11% quad. Yeah, and thank you for bringing such a good beer. I was I feel very uh, special to be able to enjoy something so good. No, oh, well, no. This is, you know what the beauty part is about beer, too? It's available for everybody. <laughs> it is the most democratic thing in the world. It absolutely is. There's no thing that says that you can't drink the best beers out there all the time. Like, all the time. They're all out there. You just got to go drink them. So inspirational. It's not like wine. Like, fuck wine. (laughs) Those people, they you never go to a wine tasting, you'll never hear a joke about the ABV. And that's how you know they're pretentious and full of it. You know? It's like, oh, this Zimbabwe's 15%. Yeah, this is a good one. You'll never hear that joke. You'll never hear that joke in a million years. They'll talk about the esters and the notes and the nose and the legs. And it's like, yeah, you know, we have terms too. You know what this is called? I'm holding up my glass now so she can see the empty film. This is lacing. Yeah. This is something to describe the level of carbonation and the way it was carbonated. Some yeast leaves bigger bubbles and it doesn't lace as well. But screw talking about that. This is beer, man. (laughs) I want to talk about the strength and the flavor not use all these hoity-toity terms. Yes. Yeah, wine. I agree. I mean, I like wine. I just don't. I don't like it like I like beer. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Mm-mm. I swear to God, if the aliens invaded tomorrow, the only thing they would want from us, if they were carbon-based, is our beer. I guarantee it. I 100% guarantee it. There's nothing else that we could give them that they don't, wouldn't already have if they had spaceships and shit. But beer is such an accident and such a weird, unique thing that it would be our one export. Now, that's a final thought for you. <laughs> and that's something to live by. Yeah. That's, that's what's going to get us through. Oh, well, hopefully. I mean, I'd love to have a part of Galactic Congress because I bring up a bottle of this. Yeah. You know. You could be like an ambassador. Yeah, I could be like the next Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Oh.